podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Another um, Anfield Index Writers podcast. Um, I'm your co-host Leanne, and joining me as usual is Tom. Tom, how are you? Hi, Leanne. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm good, thanks. Uh, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. Um, just, just hopeful um, about Liverpool. You know, uh, coming up, we've got Porto in the Champions League, so hopefully that goes well and we get a little run going. Um, but jo- joining us today is Joseph Norton. Joseph, how are you? Yeah, really good. Thanks, Leanne. Always great to be back on. Yeah, it's good to have you on. You've written a really, really good, interesting article this week about um, James Milner. So I'll let you take it away and sort of introduce your article and your thinking behind it and basically your thought process on James Milner and, and his um, contribution to the Liverpool midfield. Yeah, definitely. So it's an article I've been thinking about writing uh, for a while, actually. And so the game against Huddersfield just sort of brought his influence on the team uh, into the headlines, really. Um, obviously, since we uh, sold sold Coutinho, there's been a lot of scrutiny uh, on the midfield, and in particular, the creativity or lack of it uh, since uh, since he's obviously gone. Uh, even when we did have him in the team, there was obviously still a lot of a lot of questions about the midfield and whether we were created enough against teams who sat back and played in a low block. And obviously, when you've got a player performing at Coutinho's level and coming up with moments of brilliance. Uh, and obviously it helped a lot, but with him gone, uh, then obviously we needed to find a way to solve solve these issues. And so the two two bad results against Swansea and West Brom didn't didn't really help things. But at Huddersfield we saw clock change changes midfield three uh, with Milner Milner and Henderson coming in. I thought that Milner Milner was brilliant. Really, I think he's a player who sometimes doesn't get the credit he deserves from certain sections of the Liverpool fans. He is a very intelligent footballer and takes up some really, really good positions, which I think, particularly in Klopp's system, really, really benefit the team. We've seen Wijnaldum on so many occasions playing in games against low blocks. He's just completely ineffective, doesn't get on the ball uh, and doesn't influence games at all. Whereas with Milner, what he does is he takes up intelligent positions. I think I mentioned about the sort of inside left position he often takes up, obviously with his playing Gome as a slightly more defensive right back at the minute. There's a lot of impetus on our left back providing the width and playing high and wide. And Muna sort of understands this and gets in a position usually between the centre back and the left back was Robertson at Huddersfield. Just allowing Robertson to play a bit that bit higher, uh, which sort of stretches stretches the uh, opposition's defence, which it did against Huddersfield, creating a bit more room for Mane to play in, in the half spaces and link, link the play up. And our, our second goal was, a, I thought, a brilliant goal. Milner took up this position, laid the ball into Robertson, and so you saw uh, Mane just peel off his peel off his marker as he drifted inside. And Firmino, uh, with his with a bit of intelligent movement, sort of created this this overload on the um, on the left hand side, and it resulted in a score. And what I thought was a really work goal, real work, really well worked goal. And so I did that, that, that's what the article is about, sort of highlighting the impact I think Milner's ha- had on the team. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of, been a lot of criticism from Wijnaldum, and rightly so, from when he started in games like that. And I thought 
the difference between the two was quite telling. And I think we probably all agree that certainly Wijnaldum shouldn't be starting many, if any, games against teams who sit back. Whereas Milner, certainly in that game, I thought Leicester at home is very good as well as and made a strong case for starting starting in those type of games. Yeah, um, as I said, it's a, it's a very interesting take. And I think the best place to probably start off is to analyse um, Gini Wijnaldum and Oxford Chamberlain when looking at these low-block defences. So, um, Tom, I know you've got some pretty strong views on Wijnaldum, especially recently. And as Joseph says there, there's all too often he goes missing and he just doesn't seem to really have an influence on the game. And I... I Really, really rate Junior Wijnaldum. I think he's a good footballer and a lot of what he does isn't sort of taken notice of because of the attacking flair within the side. Um, but this tendency to just go missing and not really have an impact on anything, um, it is happening all too often at the moment. And, you know, is Milner the answer? I'm not sure Milner's necessarily the answer. I think, and I don't, I don't think Joe thinks that either from, from reading his article. I think, Milner is certainly a different option in the context of what we have in our squad. I mean, you kind of hit the head on the ned, nail on the head with Genie, really. He doesn't kind of do anything against low block defences. When you look at high pressing teams, he does tend to influence those sorts of games more. And his best games in Liverpool shirt have come at home to Chelsea, at home to Man City, those sorts of games, which are very, very odd, very, very rare games. So normally, I'm not happy when I see Genie in the starting lineup because I don't think he brings anything to the table in these sorts of games. It's he his. I will come into the stats in a bit because I know uh, Joe hit some good stats in the article. But his creativity stats are horrendous against low block. His uh, I mean his creativity stats are horrendous in general. He doesn't really do enough off the ball. Both Henderson and Chan are better off the ball anyway. They're both better on the ball. They both pass more. They both control the play more. If he's not controlling the play, if he's not dictating the play, he has to be creative. He, if he's not Seeing a lot of the ball, he has to do a lot with what he's got. And he doesn't do nearly enough with the ball at his feet to justify not having any possession. Um, I think Joe makes a good point in the article that, yeah, to an extent, Vinaldum's whole thing is that he makes space for other players. But when you're playing against the low block, there isn't any space to operate in. So that doesn't really work because teams are not going to get dragged out of position by Vinaldum. It's just not, not how it is. You need players like Firmino who are causing different kinds of problems. Um, Whereas what Milner does is Milner gets into the half spaces. He creates those little overloads. What he does is he drifts quite wide. And um, this is one of the things I really, really like about Milner is that, and Lallana was very good at it as well, he almost plays like the winger because what you need, and we saw this a little bit against Huddersfield with Emre Chan, is when um, when you've got fullbacks that don't or do push on, in, in Milner's case often it's Robertson pushing on, the, the fullback can create a little bit of space between the centre back and the winger, centre back and the wing back in, for example, a back five, which is what we've seen a lot of low box play. And that need, then you need someone to fill that space between the midfield and the defence, between the, the wing back and, and the central defender. And that's where you need almost a winger type. And when Mane and Salad drop so centrally, because they both tend to do this, they both tend to drift inside quite a lot to occupy the centre. They occupy the other two centre-backs. That's when you need someone who's in that half space to create an overload. And that's what Milner and Lalana have been really, really good at. They're very, very good at not creating space for others, but finding space for themselves and in areas that, are, that cause defenders problems. Uh, as I say, I mentioned Milner and Lalana. I think they're very, very good at that. Oxlade Chamberlain, I think, has the potential to do this, but I just think it's not a position that he's necessarily familiar with yet. Um he, he At the moment, I think against low blocks, Oxford Chamberlain operates best as a winger because he likes to stay wide. 
The problem is when he tries to operate those half spaces, he doesn't really get it. He's kind of like a halfway between a wing. He likes to play either as a winger or a central midfielder. He doesn't quite get that sometimes in a position like that, you need to be both at the same time, which is where I think Milner is the kind of the perfect player for that because he has that experience as a winger. So he can just kind of play almost as an auxiliary winger from central midfield. And that's what I think is really, really important because against teams like this, you need to stretch the play. You need to spread... You need to make the pitch as big as possible to drag their defenders out of position. Because when you're playing a five and then a four, you can they, they will try and make the pitch compact. They'll try and make the pitch narrow. Liverpool did it really, really well against Spurs. We just made made Spurs play the ball out to their wing backs and then cross it with little to with little effect for you know the best part of ninety minutes. Um, obviously, it got went a bit a bit chaotic at the end, but we forced them wide. You force them wide. You force them to play to one player. If you've got players like Milner who kind of play wide, then suddenly you've got potentially three players who are almost playing as left wingers. Robertson, Mane and Milner all playing in a similar sort of left wing position. And that gives defenders problems, gives them something to think about. So, yeah, I don't think Milner's the perfect answer. And obviously, you know, Milner is not the kind of Coutinho, De Bruyne sort of player who is exceptional at that. But he is a different option. I think his movement, I think this is all stuff that Joe said in the article. It all just means that he offers something a bit different, whereas Vinaldum in particular, but also to an extent also Chamberlain, just too static in the middle of the park and don't really offer enough on or off the ball. Yeah, and it's it's those intelligent positions that he's taking up, isn't it? Um, Joseph, you, you mentioned it really well in your article um, about the position Milner adopts against Huddersfield when he's in between Lovren and Robertson. And that sort of, as, as Tom was saying, that allows this overlap to happen and that allows us to get past those low block defences and it also highlights how key sort of the full backs are to the modern game but you know, just to go to the stats um, as mentioned in the article it says that um, Milner made 29 passes with a 90% efficiency rate he did 10 group presses 9 possession wins um, with one leading to a shot he's also got two assists um, this season I believe and Genie's got one goal and assist in 1611 minutes so even in terms of an attacking productivity point of view Milner's got something that Genie is not currently offering this side um, again we can sort of point to the fact that this is a lot of people say well it's, it's James Milner he's not good enough for Liverpool we've got to be searching for something better as Tom said he He's not Coutinho, he's not Kevin De Bruyne, but there is something there that he's giving this midfield that that Genie or Oxley Chamberlain aren't. Um, in terms of sort of going on for the rest of the season, is that how you want Klopp to to go forward? You talk about how it was almost the perfect goal from a Liverpool perspective against Huddersfield, and it was the the blueprint of how to to get past these types of teams. Is that something that you want Klopp to stick by and sort of looking to the Champions League as well? Uh, I think in the Champions League, I don't, I don't necessarily see Milner as being being a good enough option, even though Porto at Anfield might sit back. I don't quite think he's probably got the physicality or the legs you want really against a dynamic dynamic team like Porto. I know they're really dangerous, dangerous on the counter attack, but certainly in the Premier League, I think Tom's spot on. I don't, I don't think he is the answer. Um, and going forward, I wouldn't want him playing regularly in the Premier League, but he's just a, he's just another option. I think we've seen. We've seen enough enough evidence to know that Wijnaldum against a low block is essentially is essentially useless. Um, it, watching the Swansea game, I think you would see the picture in the article. You see, even Wijnaldum does occasionally make similar movements to Milner, but he just he just doesn't demand the ball. He doesn't want to get on the ball and orchestrate play. And from a centre mid, 
playing in a three, uh, which he is. You need you need a centre mid to really influence the game, get on the ball, and make things tick. And while Wijnaldum, even though he occasionally takes up that position, talked about him between centre back and left back, and he doesn't he doesn't demand the ball and orchestrate play. So I think we've seen enough from Wijnaldum to know that his his role in the team is a really speciality against the against the big teams because in in games where there's a lot of turnovers um, and the transitions are quite happening on a regular basis, Wijnaldum's very good. He, he's good at holding onto the ball. He's good in physical battles. And I think I was surprised, like a lot of people were. A clock than playing against Tottenham because I think it would have been the perfect, perfect game, game for him. But as I said, we've seen enough from Wayne Allen to know that playing in a low block is, is effectively pointless. So I think then you've got the option of, uh, the options of Milner, uh, Chan, who's looked, looked quite good since Henderson's came back into the six. Chan's looked very, very good. Tom talked about the intelligent positions he took about, he took up out, out wide right against Huddersfield. I thought that was very clever from him. Gomez obviously doesn't provide him much width. So Chan going out wide allowed Salah to stay fairly narrow. And it's good. It'd be good to see the mix of all. I think Salah at times, and it could be Seth Mane as well, they do drift too, too, too narrow. So it'd be nice if against a low block, maybe Salah and Mane could stay a bit wider at times. But Chan was very intelligent against the field. So I think, I think the three of Milner, uh, Oxley Chamberlain, and Chan going forward should be sort of your three options for that number eight role. And I think we'll be, be a lot more creative and a lot more effective because of that. And Tom, would you agree with that? Um, I know from a statistical, just, uh, I can't say that word, statistical point of view, um, you're big on your stats as is Joe, uh, by the looks of his article. So sort of honing in on this XG, um, and the statistics mentioned in the article about this, um, further forward aspect. Um, you know, a genie's not really giving us goals. He's not really producing assists. He doesn't really give anything, especially in away games. Whereas James Milner has somehow pieced, pieced sort of, it, he, he pieces something together. It, he doesn't do it in the most exceptional way or the most exhilarating way as someone like Coutinho does, but he is still making an impact. And, and, and that was wholly evident against Huddersfield. And also this, you've got this big impact of the set pieces because he's a really good corner taker. You know, arguably one of our best. He's very reliable from the spot. Uh, we've had a couple of problems with penalties this season, so that's another aspect that, that we can talk about here. Yeah, I mean the creativity thing. I mean, um, one 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 stat that um, that's, that Joe highlights is that Vinaldo averages 0.6 key passes per game compared to Milner's one, which is not great. What he doesn't kind of do is contextualise that in the rest of the Liverpool squad um, and. Just to put that into context, the highest key pass player in our squad without Coutinho is all three of the front three averaging 1.6. That's, you know, that's chilled. Um, but then if you look further down the line, Milner at one is kind of joint tenth-ish. So that's kind of middle range of the squad. Wijnaldum is the 17th for key passes in our squad. That is the worst of anyone that isn't our centre-backs, basically. Shocking, Literally, man. literally Lovren, Clavan, Matip. And Danny Ings, but he's played like 20 minutes in the, in the entire season. So that's horrendous. Like that's lit. Players that are ahead of him in terms of creativity. Joe Gomez, Dominic Solanke, uh, Robertson, Van Dijk, Moreno, Trent. These are like literally all of the players in our squad have got better creativity than, than Vinaldum. And he's playing essentially as an, as a effectively a creative midfielder. And it just doesn't make any sense to me. What is it? What? If he's not being creative, what is his purpose in the side? Because he doesn't dictate the tempo. 
Because that's what Milner, that's what Henderson and Chan do. They dictate the tempo. He doesn't dictate the tempo. He's got to be creative. If he's got to be not being creative, he's got to be defensive. He doesn't do any of those things. I appreciate the idea that he, you know, does things for other people, but he doesn't bring anywhere near enough. He's 14th in our squad for tackles. Uh, he is 12th in our squad for interceptions. Um, in terms of clearances, obviously he's going to be low on that, but he's 13th on that as well. So he just doesn't offer anything defensively. Um, to get back to the, the Milner point, what Milner, I, you bang on about set pieces. Um, if nothing else, Milner bring, Milner's our best penalty taker. Both Salah and Firmino have indicated this season they're not great at penalties. Bobby's missed, Bobby's couple of misses have been quite unlucky. If you actually look at the two, he's hit the woodwork twice and, you know, hit in the underside of the bar and hit in the post are not horrendous penalties. Whereas both of Salah's have been like pretty much straight down the middle, not great. But Milner's clearly our best penalty taker. So having him in the squad gives that, if nothing else. He's good. He's probably our best corner taker as well. I mean, if you look at who actually takes our corners, we don't really have anyone. Salah's done it kind of consistently, averagely. Salah's not a good corner taker. It annoys me he's still taking our set pieces. Ox did about two really good, did about two or three really, really good corners. And since then has just been terrible, which is just kind of sums it up for me. Whereas Milner at least has over the course of a few years now consistently indicated that he's a good corner taker. It's worth noting in our 13-14, part of our, not 13-14, part of our um, the 15-16, sorry, the Europa League run under clock, Milner got two assists in that Dortmund game because he's dead good at crossing from dead ball scenarios or just in general. He gets a lot of flack for crossing too much, which I think he certainly did from left back last season. But in terms of set pieces, he's quite a good set piece taker. He's quite a good corner taker. And I do think his corner, his crosses from deep are not horrendous. It's just that as a team, we shouldn't really be crossing anywhere near as much as we are. So I do think Milner is an option in that position. I certainly think he offers more than some of the other players around him. Negative wise, um, just sort of like to flip the other side, you said sort of stepped up his game and, you know, the, the comparisons to Genie and Oxley Chamberlain. The only question sort of, well, the big question is, isn't that midfield that you described earlier, Joe, a little bit one-dimensional? I know it works for Huddersfield and that, you know, that could very well be a blueprint for what we do for the rest of the season against low-block defences. But there's no pace, there's no spark in, you know, not to be rude, but Genie, um, he may go missing in games, but, you know, he he's maybe got a quicker turn in him. He's, he maybe is able to do something a little bit faster than James Milner. Uh, James Moore doesn't have the, the energy or the pace as, as someone a little bit younger. Emery Chan is quite reserved in terms of forward movement um, because it's, you know, it, it's not really his job. Um, Jordan Henderson's good at getting forward. We've seen him uh, do that in the last couple of weeks where the shackles have come off. But there's no real pace or spark there. You're not looking at the midfield and going, wow, something's going to happen from those three. No, that could, that could be a fair argument. I think when we come, we are coming against up against low blocks, which we generally will be against most teams, apart from sort of the Chelsea away um, and Man U. We're going to be coming up against teams who are going to sit back. And the reality is, we're, you're playing on a pitch that's probably no bigger than about 40, 40, 50 yards, and over that you don't necessarily need quick players. We've, we've seen we've seen our team have bundles of pace in the team, but if you've got no space to work and it's the old car analogy, isn't it? If you have an F1 car stuck in London traffic at rush hour, you can have as much pace as you want, but there's no no room to move in. So I don't necessarily think that pace argument is 
necessarily too much of a concern for me because if you've got quick movement and you've got intelligent positions, then playing on a pitch which is essentially teams are making it 40, 40, 40 yards big, then I don't think pace is necessarily that much of an issue. You need intelligent movement, you need combination play, you need patterns of play and overload, which which is which is what which is what is going to open up a low block. You need to stretch teams. You need to move defenses out of positions, and then that creates creates space for our front three to uh, operate in. Or if they're being marked, then it creates more room for the likes of Robertson or your or your midfielders to work in. I think I think Emery's proven as well that, and you've got Ox as well that they're, they're, that that's where your pace is going to come from. Milner's more about intelligence and linking up the half spaces. Whereas if you want someone to a change of pace in midfield, then Ox has shown glimpses of it. Not enough, but I think he has got the potential and will will prove to be a someone who can sort of influence games against low blocks, even though we haven't really seen it yet. But I think over the last couple of couple of games we've seen that Emre is the sort of player who can do that. It will always demand the ball. He's got that little bit of turn of pace to get away from defenders. And I think if you want a spark from midfield you'd look you look for someone for a challenge Chamberlain. So I don't necessarily think the lack of pace, if you could, if you can say that, is necessarily big. Would be a big problem for me. I think the other thing is, I, a lot has been made about the creativity of our midfield. I don't think our midfield necessarily needs to be extremely creative. I just think it needs to be creative enough, and it needs to have enough dynamism in it. So I don't necessarily think we need to worry too much about having bundles of creativity. Because I mean, we talk a lot about how Coutinho offered creativity from deep in the midfield, but he only. He didn't play that often as part of a midfield three that this season. He, he never really got going in that position anyway. Like he's he's a sort of player who's because of the way our rotation worked, because of the injuries to Mane and that kind of stuff. He's spent a lot of his games not really in the midfield. He's been a lot of them on the left. And when he did play in the midfield, he didn't necessarily like explode there either. If that makes sense. So I don't think we necessarily need to worry too much about creativity from our midfield because realistically. Our front three are all extremely creative players. Bobby Firmino is one of the most creative players in the league. He just is. It's just part of his game. Salah, for all of talk about how he's a finisher, he's quite creative as well. He does offer quite a bit of creativity. He's got six assists. Bobby's got five. Mane's got five. So all three of our front three are very, very good at creating chances for the others anyway. We don't necessarily need a plethora of, of, um, of creative outright creativity for midfield. What we need in midfield is people to control these sorts of games against the low block we need patience we need people who are capable of playing the occasional pass that's good enough Emery Chan is more than good enough of playing the occasional pass that can split defences Henderson and Henderson and Chan between them have got good ability to dictate the tempo and to create that sort of elements and as you say it's all about the interplay it's all about the dynamism it's all about creating overloads and that, where Mil- that is where Milner offers something a little bit different about stretching those sorts of teams but fundamentally the role of a midfielder in these sorts of games is just to be patient just to make sure they're playing the right passes. And yeah, creativity can be an issue, but I don't think it's our number one issue in these sorts of games. I think the, my, my, my problem with players like Genie Knox isn't that they aren't creative enough, it's that they don't really do anything. It's that their role in the team is kind of seen as being the creative one because the other two have the other two do their own individual roles so well that when we're looking at we're looking at someone to kind of fill that Coutinho midfield creativity void. If they came out and we're good at something else, which is what I think Milner is. Milner's a good all-round cog in our midfield. And I think Oxo Chamberlain has the potential to be a really, really good cog in that midfield as well, in terms of pressing, in terms of offering those half-space overloads, because I think he's got the potential to do that. We just haven't seen it from him yet. Um, 
But yeah, I don't think direct creativity is necessarily an issue when you look at how creative and powerful our front three. Ultimately, people will talk on and on about how about Coutinho, but we've scored more than enough goals without him. We are consistently scoring more than enough goals without him. We'll come on to the goals issue when we talk about Firmino, because that's something I take big issue with. But the, the simple truth is we are creative enough at the moment. We are not uncreative. At the, our, if you look at our XG, it's consistently above two. It's consistently above one and a half, pushing on for two. It's quite rare. I mean, the Spurs game and the City game are examples of where we, we had a lower XG, but you'd expect that against those sorts of teams. I'm just I'm just having a quick flick through our previous XGs against low blocks. There aren't any obvious games that stand out to me as us really struggling to create anything, if that makes sense. There just there isn't any there where we really average below 1.5 against the low block. Our only really poor XGs this season have been against Spurs and Man City. That's literally it. It's just a case of at the moment, for whatever reason, the finishing isn't quite there. Do, do you know what I mean? Like the only the lowest XG I can see us having against a, a team that plays a low block is against Newcastle, and that's 1.6. 1.6 XG should be enough to score two goals and win a game. That It's just the way it is, you know? It, do you see what I'm getting at? Yeah, yeah. I, I think um, just sort of to bring Adam Lallana back in, so I know it's been mentioned here and there, but when he comes back into into uh, into the first-team pitcher again, because he's playing for the, I think it was the under-23s he played for. <laughs> I'm um, getting sent off. <laughs> got a, yeah, got a silly red card for that one. Um, but when he comes back, you, you talked a lot about patience there and, and the need to sort of keep keep it flowing, keep it going, and just bide your time. And Lalana, yes, he he can be a bit too ponderous on the ball sometimes, but he's very good at that and very good at finding the ball in between the lines when he's on his game. So does that change the angle of where Milner could be in this team again? Does he go back out and does Klopp re- revert to Adam Lallana for these low block offences because he is a player who can sort of you know, have a quick turn, uh, play the ball off to someone else, pick it up in between the lines and make something happen? Or should he be sticking with James Milner? No, I definitely think if when, when Lallana's back fit, uh, hopefully he stays fit. And I think he's definitely another option. I don't think we'll see any of the midfield Midfielders playing in that sort of those two number eight positions nailed down a spot. Um, I, I'm I'm a bit worried about the line. He is suffering a lot of a lot of injuries. I love him when he's fully fit. I do love him as a player. I think he's brilliant. He offers something something in a team that I honestly don't think anyone anyone has that ability to sort of link play in between the half spaces and his great technical ability in tight areas. I do I do really like him as a player, but I have my have my doubts about him. Seriously, coming back and playing, playing consistently in the team. Um, but again, if he can, which hopefully he can, regain regain his full fitness, then I think I think he's definitely another option. I don't see any any one player playing nailing down a spot. And just just a quick one on Ox is my my main problem with Ox is probably when he does play in that midfield three, he's just too safe. He I, th- I think criticism will be around Adam is, is he doesn't get on the ball and doesn't do anything with Ox. I think he could demand the ball. Down them all more and try to orchestrate things himself. But when he does, I think he gets on the ball enough. He's just he's just often too safe. Instead of you know, instead of looking to force the initiative himself, like we saw against City, where he could have had an easy pass into someone's feet, he decided that he, he, I'm more powerful and quicker than Fernandinho. Drops his shoulder, beats him, and then instead of passing it or laying it off, he shoots and scores. So if Ox can do that on a more consistent basis, which he's capable of doing, he's got all the attributes to do. To doing so, then I think we'll be in a be in a really good position in terms of 
in terms of goals and a uh, sort of productivity coming from the midfield. I think one one final point I want to make on this is when we talk about against low block for the rest of the season, we are talking a reasonably small sample size. We are only looking at 10 games realistically because we've got 12 league games left and two of those games are against Man United and Chelsea. Whilst you'd instinctively say both those are going to be low block, they're both away from home and they could, especially the Chelsea game, because that's the penultimate game of the season. Chelsea might well need to win that to win that game to make top four. We might well need to win that game to make top four. So, I mean, and United at Old Trafford, I don't think they'll play in a, a low block at Old Trafford. I'm not sure they'll necessarily do that. So we're looking at, realistically, about 10 games of, of low block. That's assuming every team we play outside the top six is going to drop a low block, which I imagine most of them will, but one or two of them might not. So, yeah, let's say eight or nine, at most 10 games of low block left in the season. So if we assume Milner plays in five or six of those, that's still not that much kind of to ask and look at, if that makes sense. So we're still looking at realistically we're in the home stretch of the season now and it's quite spread out so we are kind of looking at a sample size which I think is manageable enough that we can afford to have someone like Milner in the team for that amount of games without necessarily compromising our team okay um so from the midfield onto the attack um Cozzy has written a very good but rather controversial article on Bobby Firmino um, and how he needs to produce more basically taking a look at why he's not spoken about in the same bracket as like so Romelu Lukaku, Sergio Aguero, um, Harry Kane, and, and he points out to the number of goals per game that Kane is getting or expected to get, and looking at Aguero's numbers as well, and in comparison to Firmino, and, and the fact that he's some way off that. So, um, Joe, I'll go to you first. Firstly, what did you think of the article, and do you agree with the premise that actually Firmino is a very underrated player, but there is a reason why he's not spoken about in the bracket of these other top top strikers in the league? Yeah, I think it's a article that raises a lot of lot of really good put, really good and interesting points. I think Firmino is like it, like I was mentioned in the article, he is now being talked about in the same same light as your likes of Kane, Aguero, and the uh, Lukaku, which he deserves to be. He's a brilliant player. He's got all the attributes to be as good, if not better, better than all of them. Which is probably why fans, fans sometimes like me get a bit frustrated that he doesn't score score as many as he could because he's got the ability to to score in every, in, in every game and be a prolific, prolific striker. His movement's good enough. His technical ability's good enough. And it would be great to see him score, score a few more goals. I think where my problem perhaps I have on the article slightly is where he compares or looks at sort of other teams who have won the um, Premier League in the past, the likes of Drogba and Shearer. I think you've got to remember in Klopp's system, playing with sort of two wide forwards, which we are with Mane and Salah, that the striker probably is never going to be the guy who gets the, mo- the most goals, which is strange to hear because in England, the media narrative is always who's the number nine, who's the man who's going to score your goals, and that's what it's always built on, which is why there's so much loving for Harry Kane. And right, so he's a very good, he is a very good player, and he scores a lot of goals. But I think in Klopp's system, the role of the number nine isn't, isn't to score score the most goals it's to it is to assist link play um and allow sort of your wide forwards to get 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 past and running behind opposition defences i think it's been talked about on sort of numerous pods uh, on the site uh, i know paul glass Douglas does a brilliant tactics weekly he's talked about that often we actually play in a bit of a diamond when we go forward because for me no drops in and links play and the wide the wide forwards are the sort of your two strikers 
And that's why we've seen Salah have such a good season. He's got all the attributes. Or we knew he had all the attributes to be a great player with the, with his amazing movement and pace. And he's really benefited from the work that Firmino, Firmino does. But I think, I think that there definitely is an argument and Firmino has been better, better this season. Uh, I think he uh, averages a goals per game of 0.56 this season compared to 0.34, uh, which was his average when he joined. Joined from Hoffenheim, so I think he, he definitely is improving on it. Is there more more room for improvement? Yeah, I think I think Firmino's the sky's the limit. He's got all the attributes to be a to be a brilliant striker and should be more prolific. Um, but I think what has to be remembered is in Klopp's system, the number nine isn't probably isn't the main man, and he uh, isn't going to be the person who scores the most goals, which is perhaps where I have a slight uh, different perspective uh, on the things is because he does. I think. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, go on. I was gonna say I think it is a bit unfair to talk about um, Firmino as a centre forward when, in the sense of, if you actually look at the list, most of them are strikers. But he mentions Cristiano Ronaldo twice on that list as being like you know the top. So has he actually picked the top striker, or has he just picked the top scorer for that respective team? In which case, if you look at our top respective team, our top respective team goal scorer is going to be more than most of the players on that list. Because our top goal scorer has already got 21 goals this season, along with six assists. So he's going to be up there in terms of goals and assists per 90 anyway. So I do think it's unfair because I think he, I think, I think Joe's dead on. We're not looking at, if you were, if you were saying Bobby Firmino is the player in this team that we are expecting to A, score the most goals and B, if we need a goal that we're looking at to score the goal, then yeah, we would have a problem, but he's not. So I think it's, un, I think it's fundamentally unfair to try and compare Firmino to other top strikers for top teams because that's not the role he's being expected to play, and I'm not, and that's not just a counter argument. That is the whole argument. Do you know what I mean? That is, it's not, it's not enough to say, yes, okay, Firmino. That's not Firmino. You know, to, to say this isn't Firmino's job is not a counter, not a counter response. It is the truth. It is the the fact. The fact is, if you were comparing Salah, it would be an entirely different picture. I mean. One of the fundamental questions that that Cuzzy asks in the article is, can we score enough goals to win the to win the league with Bobby Firmino as the number nine? And he he looks at this target of eighty five goals, right? And the one thing he doesn't mention in the article is that Liverpool are on course to score eighty five goals this season. We're on course to score more than eighty five goals this season. Actually, we're on course to score eighty six. And yeah, you could argue that's with Coutinho in the side. But you could equally argue, well, since Coutinho's left, our goal scoring hasn't dropped off at all in the league, actually. And if you look at the goals in the goals we pl- games we've played since Coutinho left, uh, if you include the Burnley one, Burnley two, Man City four, Swansea all right, we didn't score. Then three against Huddersfield and two against Spurs. So that's still averaging more than two goals a game since Coutinho's left. And we've averaged more than two goals a game without Coutinho in the side anyway. So realistically, there's no reason we won't score more than 85 goals this season anyway even with Firmino doing what he's doing. So I think, and it's, it, it would be a fair point to say, well, is Salah going to keep getting the amount, getting the amount of goals he's getting? But the counterpoint to that is, as Cuzzy does mention in the article, well, Salah doesn't score 30 goals in this season without Firmino playing as number nine. That's just the way it is, in my opinion. Um, I do agree that he, with the point he makes that you can say, yeah, all right, Firmino's game is phenomenal, but we can still expect more from him. I do think that's a fair argument to make. And there are a couple of other arguments potentially against Firmino that I want to kind of get to later on. But I do kind of disagree with this 
kind of question of looking at for me because I think the whole point of looking at Firmino as the number nine is in itself a flawed way of looking at the Liverpool system, and I completely agree with Joe when he says that. Yeah, I think I think it comes down massively to sort of perception because if you're if you're looking at the role Firmino plays for Liverpool, he is not an out and out striker. He is not a Romelu Lukaku or a Harry Kane, nor do we want him to be or need him to be. The system requires him to be something different, and in that sense, he's not like any other forward in the Premier League. He's you know, he, he's sort of one of a kind because he starts the press, his defensive contribution as well, and, and all those things that form Firmino together, that sort of bring the system that Klopp is implementing at Liverpool together, goes far beyond his goals and assists. Um, in, in terms of his goals and assists, he, he is improving. So you have that plus side, that his, his work in the final third in terms of goals and direct contributions for goals is improving and that's obviously what we want to see from a forward. But this idea that um, you know, we we've got Harry Kane here, we've got Roberto Firmino here, Kane numbers are better, Firmino needs to do more. I that doesn't sit well with me purely because of completely difference with the expectations on Harry Kane. Harry Kane has to score those goals for Spurs. It, it, it's that sort of ability to link everything together that stats won't show you with Roberto Firmino. Um, in terms of consistency there's always an argument to be made that potentially he needs to be more consistent with goals. Um, yes, OK, goals. He, he does a lot for this team. But I think in the past, um, especially last season, people were saying you know, that he still needs to add more goals. He needs to be more consistent when he's in those positions. And whereas someone like Daniel Sturridge would be ruthless, there's some feeling that Roberto Firmino is going to miss a chance or he had a penalty a couple of weeks back, um, well, not a couple of weeks, against West Brom and he missed it. And it's just those chances where it almost gets away from him. So do you think he needs to be more consistent in that aspect? I, de- I definitely think he does. I think he needs to be more more consistent. He's got he's got all the I don't think anyone can deny he's got all the ability in the world. Well hasn't he? You couldn't you couldn't play the role he does for our team and sort of play with your back to goal for that much of that much of play and link 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 the attack if you didn't have serious ability. So there's no doubt that with a bit more with a bit more practice and maybe perhaps a bit more concentration on his finishing when he gets into that final third, then then he could get a lot more a lot more consistent, um, and we could see him score score a lot more goals. I don't think I think I don't think you can ever compare him to the likes of Kane and Aguero because they are they are the main men in their team, and Firmino's as in in terms of goal scoring that is, and Firmino's never going to be that in Klopp systems. So I think like we discussed to compare him. In that sense, would but would be unfair and is unfair. Um, but definitely, he's got he's got to be more consistent. He does he does waste too many chances. His mo- he perhaps doesn't stretch teams as much as he should. He could could perhaps add a bit more variety, variety variety to his game. And I think we can expect to see see more from Firmino. But certainly, to co- you're never going to be comparisons with the likes of Kane and Aguero. I think are very lazy. It's too. Liverpool Klopp system is very unique, and the number nine has a very, very unique role uh, that not many teams will ever replicate. So I think, I think to compare to compare him to goal scorers like that is is definitely unfair. Um, I have a couple of things on the goal scoring front. Um, I think the first thing to note is that when you're looking at why he's improved in terms of goal scoring this season, because I think his numbers are his numbers are undoubtedly better this season. One of the main reasons for that is that he's consistently playing as a number nine, even last season. Number nine was his first, was the first position he would play, but he'd spend a lot of time out on the wing, particularly in the back half of the season to 
when when Mane was injured, for the first thing, we, we didn't have enough natural wingers in the squad last season because we didn't have Oxlade-Chamberlain and Salah. Basically, Bobby would spend a lot of games last season out on the wing and his numbers were definitely lower when he played out on the wing. He's still a good player out there, but he's not going to score as many goals because he wasn't playing as a number nine consistently last season, which he, he has this season. I think he's every game he started this season, he's been in the number nine position. And I think playing consistently in that position with better players around him is certainly helping his numbers. Um, the next thing I want to note about the numbers is that actually, if you look, I mean, because he does, because he does mention this in his article in his defense, he does compare him to, um, to, uh, San, to, for me, to Lukaku and Sanchez this season and looks at, well, hang on a minute, actually, this season, Bobby's doing a lot better in terms of goals. Um, but Kane and Aguero are the only two out-and-out strikers in the Premier League you can look at and say, well, they're scoring consistently more than him. Um, I mean, even if, if you look at the top goal scorers list in the Premier League, he's been consistently there or thereabouts, fifth, sixth, seventh, with only Salah, for me, Salah, Kane and Aguero miles ahead of him, Sterling to an extent, playing in that insane Man City side. And the so he's he's pulling a decent enough level of numbers. He's scoring, you know, if you look at Lacazette, Morata, Lukaku, at the start at the start of the season, we were talking about five big strikers: Kane, Aguero, Lacazette, Morata, Lukaku, and Firmino wasn't in that picture. But if you look at it now, realistically, it's Kane and Aguero. But then, yeah, Morata, Lacazette, Lukaku, Firmino is in that is in that branch. He's in that category, which is not a category a lot of people would have expected him to be in at the start of the season. And actually, if we want to if we want to talk about consistency in terms of goal scoring, I think it's more his positioning than his finishing. Because if you look at his expected goals, his expected goals in the Premier League is only seven. Seven expected goals. He scored 11 in the league. So that's he's, his finishing is miles above what you would expect it to be for a player of that quality. But his expected goals is nowhere near, not even in the same category as Aguero. Keynes is 21. Keynes' XG is three times higher than, 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 um, than Firmino's. Aguero's is 16. So Aguero's is over twice as high. Lukaku's is over twice as high. And Bobby's score... So, Sorry, Lukaku's is almost twice as high, and he's only scored one more goal than Bobby. Morata's is significantly higher as well. Jamie Vardy's is significantly higher. If you look at the top 10 goal scorers, his is quite comfortably, well, it's not quite comfortably the lowest XG, but it is the lowest XG of those level of goal scorers. His XG is only about 20th in the league or something. So it's not, for me, it's not about finishing, it's about consistently getting in positions to score goals. Which, if you look at our side, he doesn't need to do because that's what Salah's doing. Because Salah's got the second highest XG in the league, so you can see that the sort of almost the kind of the striker role, the role you would expect Bobby to get into to score goals, he's not doing that because we've got a player on our side who is doing that, which I think is fundamental when you have to talk about goal scoring. It's not just about the goals; it's about getting in the position to score goals, and clearly Salah is doing that, whereas Bobby isn't. Which is, as we've said, fine. Which is for me, so for me, it's not necessarily about inconsistency in finishing. It's about positioning, and I think that if you took Mo Salah out this side, it would be very, very interesting. Because on the one hand, Liverpool would have problems scoring as many goals, but on the other hand, would Bobby Firmino, would Bobby's xG jump up in games where Salah wasn't on the field? That would be something that you'd need probably to do more evidence to look at because Salah's played so many minutes this season. But I certainly think it's something to certainly a question you could ask. It's almost like Liverpool is sort of bucking the trend of having a prolific natural goal scorer in their side because we've got a front three, a very, very prolific front 
yes, Manny's not on terrific form at the moment, but he's producing good numbers, which we talked about last week, I think it was. Um, but that almost sort of takes this pressure off Roberto Firmino to be the main man. Okay, Salah, you know, it is sort of, he's come in and he's hit the ground running and he's producing the goods, which takes a lot of pressure off Firmino. But at the same time, Firmino, we don't need Firmino to be scoring 30 goals. There was this argument before Salah came about how Liverpool could not win a league title with Roberto Firmino because he was so good at everything, except he couldn't be the 30-goal-a-season player that Liverpool needed. But actually, I, personally, I don't think we ever needed him to be that. There's a perception, and it's rightly pointed out by the article, um, it says the thing is most of us are conditioned to believe a successful team must have a prolific goal scorer. But Liverpool are a testament to the fact that you don't need a prolific goal scorer if you've got such a frantic front three that are all going to cause defence problems. Their movement causes people to move, um, the, the opposition move around, your teammates get into space and you make things happen as a trio rather than an individual in the way that Harry Kane does. So I think that's also another aspect that needs to be taken into account here. It's, it's almost Liverpool don't have a pressure on Firmino to score goals because it's more about this team uh, sort of team cohesion rather than having one main prolific striker, which is the general trend. I think I think Tom was spot on, wasn't he, when he said makes a change. Uh, was spot on when he said that um, we Liverpool do have a thirty goal a season. Or right, it's not striker. We do have a thirty goal a season player. He's Mo Salah, isn't it? Like it's been traditionally known or for years that you're a prolific forward. Thirty goal a season player is going to be going to be sent forward but in Klopp's system the reality is if you've got a player like Mo Salah who's got such great movement and and the positions he takes up and the positions he gets into then you are going to have a 30 goal a season player it's just not going to be a centre forward he's going to be it's going to be a wide player so I think I think we do have a 30 goal a season player and Salah will prove it but he's just not the traditional number nine I think one thing to note and I think this is one thing in defence of the article if you want to talk about where Bobby needs to improve and I've mentioned this before about Bobby, and it's something I stand by. He needs to score more important goals. Because a lot of the thing about Bobby is, um, here's just a couple of stats from Brundish that I think kind of really sum it up. If you look, um, in Bobby has contributed in nine of his 22 games, nine of his 22 league games. So in only nine Premier League games this season has Bobby scored or assisted. He tends to do it in pairs. So it's more of a Bobby tends to get involved. And another stat which kind of worries me is that if you look at what are called deci- not well, not called decisive goals. So goals that either are equalising goals or goals that put Liverpool in front. Salah scored 17 of those this season. These are all on Brunch's Twitter, by the way. Check it out. Bobby's only scored five. As a main striker, again, this is not necessarily judging Bobby for what he needs to be, but he does need to score more important goals, in my opinion. He scores a lot of goals, which are the second or third goals in games that maybe are kind of important in the sense that they make it 2-0 or they make it 3-1, or they kind of put the game to bed, but they're not very often the sort of goals that will give us an advantage in a game. It's quite rare that he'll score what I like to call a clutch goal, whereas Salah and definitely Coutinho will score those kind of clutch goals, those big goals, those important goals. He does score them, but he doesn't score them anywhere near as often. I mean, just a quick test for either of you. Off the top of your head, can you name three Bobby goals that you would call extremely important in the sense of in the game Liverpool absolutely need those goals to go in I can think of two if either of you can think of three I'll be moderately impressed in the last let's say in the last season and a half since the start of the 16-17 season no, I, 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 I was going to say yeah I can think 
you two. I can't. Yeah, because I've definitely, I've definitely, certainly not got three. It's it's Stoke. It's the Stoke two one volley, and it's Man City just a couple of weeks ago. Realistically, isn't it? Yeah, I'd I'd definitely have the Stoke. It's Stoke and Man City, but yeah, I can't can't think of any others off the top but, of my head. But for me, that's the worrying one because if you say Bobby Firmino in important goals, everyone will say Stoke away. Whereas if you say, for example, ha- Mane, what's what's Mane's big goals or Salah's big goals? You instantly or Coutinho's big goals. You instantly think of two, three, four, don't you? That for me is the one area of his game that he desperately needs to improve. Yeah. I think you are right with that, but then it goes back to to the point that that's been made that is is that is that really his role in the team? Isn't isn't that just a just an impact of the fact that he's he's not he's not our main man? So is he is he going to be someone who's going to get more important goals? Perhaps he could have a few more, and I think like like we've spoken is is main thing that lets him down is his movement. I would like to see him play with a bit more variety. I think at times he just comes. He is a bit one-dimensional at coming towards the ball. Can he can he stretch teams a bit more and give defenses a bit bit of something else to think about and a bit of a threat in behind from the from the centre from him rather than it being out wide and Mane Mane Salah all the time. So I think if he is going to score more important goals, that would perhaps be the way. But I think I think the fact that yeah he's only the, the stats we've just talked about is probably a byproduct of the the uh, of Klopp's system and the fact that number nine isn't isn't the main man. That's that's true, but equally, Coutinho and Mane would both have a higher ratio of clutch goals to goals, if that makes sense. Both Coutinho and Mane are players who don't necessarily score as many goals, because that isn't their role in the system, but the goals they do score are really important. That's just my that's just my impression of where, where one area yeah. I probably really needs to pick up. In, but again, that's you know, you can't have everyone doing everything, as you say. I think I, I think um one one article uh, one part of the article that we haven't really addressed at the moment is for me it's probably the most controversial statement within the piece is that based on the numbers that Cuzzy uses in his article he's obviously done a lot of research so if you haven't read it definitely check it out don't just read the title and think oh this guy doesn't know what he's talking about it is a very very interesting read um but one of the things he says is basically based on these numbers he can't see Liverpool winning the league. Um, he's not saying it's impossible, but given our defensive um, worries and you know the amount of goals that we leak at the back, it's going to be a very tall order to achieve a league title with Roberto Firmino as the, as the main forward. For me personally, I completely disagree with that. I think Firmino is almost the best chance we've got of winning a league title because of his all-round contribution, as we mentioned time and time again. Would you two agree with that, or do you sort of get this point that Yes, okay, goals aren't what he's really bringing to this team, but he still needs to step it up that bit if Liverpool are going to win a league title. And at the moment, based on his projected numbers and his current numbers, yes, there's improvement, but actually it it is a tall order for Liverpool to be winning a league title or challenging properly for a title with, with Firmino leading the line. His projected numbers are not... as a. As I said at the start, he's, he projects we need to score 85 goals, and he doesn't think with Bobby. He thinks with Bobby on the side we'll struggle to score 85 goals. To be honest with you, I don't mean to sound harsh, but that's absolute nonsense because we're on we're on target to score over 85 goals this season. So he can't be right in that sense. In that sense that we would struggle to make 85 goals, given that we're doing it this season, and I don't but, think this team but, is at its peak. But do you think I, I completely agree? This team isn't at its peak, and. And the projected numbers for our goals is only one aspect, I think, of his argument, because he's also saying projected 
basis on terms of how many goals that we leak at the back. Also, almost there's this uphill battle before you even begin. So to not have a prolific goal scorer in the likes of Harry Kane or Lukaku, is it too much of a, a an ask to to be challenging for a title, win a title with Roberto Firmino's numbers? What do what do you think on, on that, Joe? Do you think that actually, as we've said, it's sort of when where, where Firmino is concerned, it goes beyond the numbers. You can't really look at stats to tell you what Firmino brings to Liverpool, and actually he is probably one of Liverpool's best chances at winning a title purely because of all the contributions he makes. Yeah, I definitely think Coutinho in the form he is this season, uh, that we could, we could easily win a, win, a, win a league with him playing as number nine. I think our, our main man is 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 and will be going forward, uh, Mo Salah. He's the one who's going to score most of our goals. And then if we improve our midfield with Naby coming in, perhaps by another creative midfielder and then have another backup option, Maybe a wide forward who can also pay, play central that I think we've got and improve our defence, which I think we, we definitely will. And Van Dyke's only one part of that. And I definitely think without question we can, we, we can, we can win the lead with Firmino playing, playing that number nine role. I've got, I've got no doubt about that. And, and Tom, I'll give you the last word on this before we wrap up. Would you agree? Do you think, uh, I'm guessing the, um, the sense that you disagree with the article in terms of it's all round, not just the, the projection and stuff, but this sort of implication that Firmino isn't actually sort of the, the, there's more to be done. Um, so would you be of the of the same stance that actually Liverpool can win a title with Roberto Firmino? I think. Okay, here's what I think. I think the article is right that Firmino can do more because I certainly think Bobby is capable of doing more. Whether or not I think it's fair to expect more of him is where I disagree. Fundamentally, I agree with Joe on this one to suggest, of course, we can win the league with Bobby as a centre forward because our front, our front three is more than good enough to win the league. Our, our goal scoring stats at the moment are more than good enough to win the league. We're gonna, yeah, we, it's just our defence. And it, you can't argue with the, with the goals scored and you can't argue Bobby Firmino as a title winning number nine, in my opinion. Okay. Um, so we'll wrap up there. Um, Joe, do you have anything that you want to plug? Uh, not got anything coming up at the minute. I'll uh, see see what jumps out out of me after the uh, Southampton Southampton Liverpool game on Sunday, and then then go from there. And and Tom, how about you? Yeah, I've got an article out at the moment on um on Mo Salah, uh, basically saying that uh in the aftermath of his spectacularly good goal against Spurs, just that I think Salah has what it takes to kind of become a Liverpool legend, almost become. The, the one of the defining players of 21st century Liverpool Football Club. I think he's that good that he could become truly iconic at this club. That, yeah, that would definitely be worth a read um, if you haven't seen that already on, tw- on Twitter. Um, for me personally, I've got an article out, I think it came out on Friday uh, last week, so just after last week's podcast, about how Jurgen Klopp is facing quite a big challenge at Liverpool purely because of his transfer policy in the January window in that he didn't bring in a replacement for Coutinho. He let Sturridge go out on loan. And so that's not to say it's a battle he's going to lose, but it was sort of a risky strategy. And, and will it pay off or will it have big consequences for, for the season? So um, if you haven't read that, check that out. Also, I'm going to be doing an article that's sort of projecting the points Liverpool are going to finish on for the season and whether that means we'll get top four um, so that will take a little bit of time, but check that out when it comes out. Um, other than that, just keep listening to the show. Uh, thank you, obviously, to, to Joe for coming on and to Cuzzy for, for a very good article on Camino. Um, keep listening. And 
as always, thank you to all our writers for everything they do to produce the content that allows us to do this show. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see you next week. So uh, hopefully we will come with a win against Southampton, despite all the boost for all the Southampton players that we currently own. Um, and yeah, we'll see you next week. Podcast Network.